Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. YCR Golden Valley, your exclusive Twin Cities home for the Ramsey Show. Live weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Israel has ordered more than a million people in the northern Gaza Strip to evacuate to the south in advance of an expected ground offensive. Here's the BBC's Yolanda Nell. One week after Israel suffered its deadliest ever day of attacks, it's continuing its heavy bombardment of Gaza, saying it aims to eradicate the Islamist militant group Hamas, which governs there. The Israeli military says it killed a senior Hamas commander in an airstrike. He's said to have played a prominent role in last week's attacks. With preparations laid for a ground invasion, the Israeli military says its forces have already carried out limited raids inside Gaza and recovered the bodies of some of the dozens of Israeli hostages taken by Hamas. That is Yolanda Nell reporting. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will lead a delegation to Israel this weekend to show his support in the aftermath of the Hamas terrorist attack last weekend. This is SRN News. Arby's Computer Service. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boots, Arby's Computer Service. This is McGruff the Crime Dog, and I need you to help me take a bite out of crime. Counterfeit products are popping up everywhere. Fake sneakers, fake cosmetics, and even fake pills. Crooks are selling counterfeit versions of just about everything. Last year, billions of dollars worth of counterfeit products were sold in the U.S. Sure, it may seem like saving a few bucks on the things you want isn't a big deal, but counterfeits are usually made in unsafe conditions, potentially using hazardous and even lethal ingredients that could harm you and others. And the money you paid, it goes right into the hands of criminals and may support child labor, drugs, and even gangs. <sighs> Smells like big crime to me. So if you still think buying fake products is harmless, think again. And remember, if you don't know where the products came from, how could you know where the money goes? You're smart. Buy smart. Go for real. Learn more at mcgruffpsa.org. This message is brought to you by the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the National Crime Prevention Council. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. No! Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. My mind is aglow with whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back. Second hour of the King Banyan Show today. If you're just listening, you missed uh, the Inflation Saturday hour uh, where we broke out the uh, the BLS data. We actually kind of didn't get too deep into data per se, but the point the point of the hour was was simply the fight over inflation isn't over. And we got that data on Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, you had the, the uh, uh, producer price index numbers, and I de-emphasize those simply because they tend to be noisier and they get overwhelmed by the CPI data 24 hours later. It just doesn't make much sense, as far as I'm concerned, um, to do that. There's a lot of noise in the data because of of uh, food prices, energy prices, gas prices. There's noise in the data because there's a widely held belief among economists that we measure inflation from rent and from owning a house or just in the the holder of all that information, sometimes called shelter inflation. We think we do that badly. I don't disagree with that, uh, uh, but... I don't. I think we've done a fair amount of work to reduce that bias to a, a minimum. Maybe it's higher now. There's certainly some argument to that effect by using Zillow or Case Shiller measures to try to say, "Hey, look what's happening here." Uh, with with here's a rental number that I got from someplace. Um, I I I just think many of these these are. Um, illustrations of confirmation bias. I know what I believe, and then I cherry-pick the data to, to support what it is I believe. I'd like to think I don't do that here. Um, I think, but I will also say, I work with a theory in my head of how the world works, and when I see data that confirms the theory in my head, I'm going to like it. I'm going to I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to talk about it. I'd like to think that I also tweet out the data that contradicts my theory as well. So I'm going to spend some of this hour talking about how the Fed is ramping up to its November 1 meeting. It basically is in this mode. Once you say you're data dependent, you are then somewhat obligated to come out and say, okay, Here's the data I'm looking at, and this is what I see. Uh, and here's how I'm interpreting it. And so here's what you could expect me to do next. There has to be more speeches from Fed officials now that they're in this place where they say, we're going meeting to meeting or data dependent. Um, I, you know, my first 15, 20 years of being an economist um, uh, and a monetary economist let me do a lot of research about using rules to run monetary policy. Indeed, there was a 
there was a paper. I'm trying to remember the name of the guy that wrote it. He was can't remember his name. I can I can see his face and and uh, he taught in the uh, University of California system at Davis, if I remember right. But I can't remember his name. Uh, but had a pub- paper published in a pretty prestigious journal, um, and, and the title of it was was I'm paraphrasing was if the FOMC was a PC. In other words, if the Federal Open Market Committee was just ran purely on a rule where you could just type, you could put data in, you could feed data into something, and then it would spit back out to you, here's what you should do. Well, we have that now. We have, um, we have, da- we have the Federal Reserve banks themselves posting variations of, here's what the Taylor Rule says we should be doing right now. Here's what... Here's what the the shadow FOMC rate is if we account for quantitative tightening. Uh, here, so so you know that world which that that guy imagined. I seem to remember that paper being now something published around 1990 or 91 or 92. That's that long ago, but but we live in that world now, and yet there seems to be no shortage of of signaling. And if if you don't like the Fed or you don't like what that person's saying, they're spinning the data to tell you a story of what they think's going on. I tend to discount the idea that there's a, a conspiracy, but there is certainly groupthink inside the Fed um, uh, and, and a desire to be affiliated with the majority opinion. You don't want to step too far out of line. It was interesting, and I might find it. I might read, read if I can find a full story on it. I, I will, I will read some of it to you because it didn't go well reported. But one of the biggest things that happened at the Fed the, um, uh, a few months ago was, of course, uh, that uh, Jim Bullard, president of the St. Louis Fed, resigned his position so he could become the dean of uh, the dean of the new business school at uh, Purdue. Uh, and. God bless, God bless Jim, and good luck. It is, if you regular listener here, you know um, the school I used to be dean of was uh, that I was dean of had an advisory board. That advisory board included Jim Bullard, so I would see him twice a year. I'm, I'm happy to think that maybe he learned just the slightest bit about being a dean from his experience on the advisory council for this for this school. I. He also, by the way, was on an advisory board at Washington University in St. Louis. So it, it, we aren't the only school he ever worked with. Um, I'll, I'll just be sure I'm not claiming any credit for his his career change. Uh, but uh, that that said, he was out saying some pretty strong things about the fact that he thinks the Fed funds rate is too low and thinks because of the data we talked about, he thinks it should get to 6%. I haven't been able to find any audio on that. Um, I'm going to look, and, I, and all I saw it was on a, on a tweet from Jim Bianco, uh, from Bianco Research. I'll see if I can find something more about it during the breaks. But I wanted to start with the fact that on Monday, two talks were given the National Association for Business Economists had a meeting down in Dallas. Um, Philip Jefferson, who is a governor, so he w- works in D.C., he is the vice chair of the Federal Reserve right now. Um, so he's got the number two position at the Fed. Um, gets, get, gives, the more, gives a talk over the lunch hour. And 
And and but prior to that, I actually got to play her first. Lori Logan is the president of the Dallas Fed, and so they're in Dallas. They bring her in. She actually gives the welcoming talk. And so this would have been first thing in the morning, welcoming people, and then she gives a little speech about monetary policy. And we have just a little bit of her here. Let's play this Lori Logan on Monday, cut number three. Financial conditions have tightened notably in recent months. But the reasons for the tightening matter. If long-term interest rates remain elevated because of higher term premiums, there may be less need to raise the Fed funds rate. However, to the extent that the strength in the economy is behind the increase in long-term rates, the FOMC may need to do more. So I'll be carefully evaluating both economic and financial developments to assess the extent of additional policy firming that may be appropriate to deliver on the FOMC's mandate. Now, we may play her again because I want to make sure you understood the distinction she's making about term premiums versus economic strength. But I want you to hear then a few hours later at the same meeting, this, the vice chair, Philip Jefferson, gets up and has this to say. Let's play cut number one. As I mentioned earlier, real long-term Treasury yields have risen recently. In part, the upward movement in real yields may reflect investors' assessment that the underlying momentum of the economy is stronger than previously recognized. And as a result, a restrictive stance of monetary policy may be needed for longer than previously thought in order to return inflation to 2%. So if you've listened to those two pieces that she says, right, if this is because people think the economy's stronger, all right, GDP numbers being forecasted right now for third quarter are coming in with a three handle. Ignore the Atlanta Fed's five, okay, that... That's an outlier. But everyone else is at 3%, 3 3.5%. And that's why the Fed's saying, hey, we might have to be higher for longer. But there's a caveat that's being put in there, which is, what if it's the risk premium? Okay, that's what Logan said. Okay, and Logan's comment is is important because if it's the risk premium, you can hear that they might not want to do this. Jefferson's kind of there too. Let's play cut number two. Looking ahead, I will remain cognizant of the tightening in financial conditions through higher bond yields, and I will keep that in mind as I assess the future path of policy. I will be taking financial market developments into account along with the totality of incoming data in assessing the economic outlook and the risk surrounding the outlook, and in judging the appropriate future course of policy. So that he's so that's a standard statement that he he he, he pretty much cribbed that out of a Jay Powell speech because um, that's that's sort of standard Fed speak for we're data dependent. We're going to look at all the data. Okay, great. But this point they're making is is both of them, so both of them say the same thing. Interest rates might be rising because the economy's getting stronger, and if the economy's getting stronger, we're not cutting rates anytime soon. 
And indeed, we might, in fact, need to to lean against that a little bit. But to the point that, that Logan made in her comment, indeed, I'm going to have you start it, Spencer, but I'm going to stop it in the middle. So listen for, listen for me to tell you to stop it. Play cut again, cut three. Financial conditions have tightened notably in recent months, but the reasons for the tightening matter. If long-term interest rates remain elevated because of higher term premiums, there may be less need to raise the Fed funds rate. However, Stop. To the- long. So what does that mean, term premiums? It means just if the long-term rates are going up just because they're normalizing the, normalizing the yield curve. The yield curve has been inverted for more than a year. It's in the process of uninverting. That process of uninverting typically comes with a recession. And that's why they're saying if this because term premiums are rising, if the if it's just an, an uninversion, we're not going to raise rates because that's usually a sign that the economy is going to get weaker going ahead rather than stronger. She doesn't say that, but that's in fact the, the comments I've heard from other officials and from observers And by the way, it's true. This is what we talked about last week with a bear steepening. So she's saying, if I think that if I think long term rates are rising because of bear steepening, we better not raise rates. But if the economy is, in fact, getting stronger, we might need to. And this explains the the holding out that one last rate increase on one last dot on the on, on the SEP because they might need to go a little bit extra. Okay. They just might. Okay, let's take a break here. We'll be back in a moment here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. The Ramsey Show. I plan to keep my previous primary residence. I wouldn't keep that other house. You're in debt up your eyeballs, man. And you went to a brokerage account for a down payment. You're curling the two hairs I have left. Weekdays from 1 to 4 p.m. Live on the Biz 1440. Urgent Camp Lejeune settlement message. On September 6th, the government announced it will soon begin providing fast, guaranteed settlements to Camp Lejeune Marines, families, and civilians. Awards will range between $100,000 and $550,000 with an option for higher amounts. If you or a loved one spent time at Camp Lejeune and suffered cancers of the bladder, liver, or kidneys, leukemia, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Parkinson's, or kidney issues, you may qualify for compensation and could be paid within 60 days after accepting your settlement with your VA benefits fully protected. You may be in Entitled to a significant financial award for your Camp Lejeune claim, but you must act now. Call the James Harris Law Camp Lejeune helpline now to get the compensation you deserve. We're already fighting for thousands harmed by the water at Camp Lejeune. Call now or you may forever lose your right to be awarded a settlement between $100,000 and $550,000. For your free evaluation, call 800-320-7171. That's 800-320-7171. 800-320-7171. 17 national championships, 37 conference titles. There is nothing like being a bison. Inside 10, what a move, cutting to the end zone, touchdown. Be part of the bison journey all season long right here on your home for bison football. Tune in this Saturday for the big in-state matchup. It's NDSU Bison versus the UND Fighting Hawks. Pre-game at noon, kickoff at 1, right here on the Biz 1440. 
Do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call. Because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at crazy low prices. They have access to great prices and discounts at over 500 different airlines. Plus, 300,000 hotels and rental car companies. Their prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find the best price for you. Call SmartFares today and get ready to see the world with a fat wallet. 800-989-0841. That's 800-989-0841. The Ramsey Show. You're also supposed to enjoy money. Now, some of you that overspend out there, you spend like you're in Congress, you don't have any issue with this enjoying money thing. Enjoying money without overdoing it is a sign of maturity. The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. Just about a year ago Welcome back. King Banging Show, the Biz 1440. Um, so I found the, uh, the article, uh, the Bloomberg piece on, on uh, Jim Bullard's comments. It, got, it, it, it did get some play uh, uh, from them. Uh, that's why I couldn't find it. He, he was at a Euro 50 seminar on the sidelines of the annual IMF meetings in, in uh, Marrakesh, Morocco. By the way, on my bucket list of places I want to see. Um, I would love to go to Marrakesh uh, and Algiers. Um, I'd like to do that entire uh, northwestern corner corner of Africa. Um, the risk that's underpriced in markets is that disinflation stalls out or stops altogether and core PCE inflation starts to go up again, he said Friday in, in Marrakesh. Quote, that would start a whole new round of consternation among policymakers about whether they've done enough. If that happens, the committee will have to contemplate going to 6 or 6.5%. Well, you're not hearing much of that. His uh, former colleague, Robert Kaplan, was on midweek uh, on, on uh, I believe this is from CNBC. I have to, uh, let me look to make sure I've got the right one. Uh, yes, this would be from CNBC, uh, and uh, he was on uh, CNBC talking about whether or not inflation might get sticky at uh, at this three percent level. Let's play this. This is cut number four. However, uh, I do think inflation is going to be sticky, uh, and it'll be sticky getting below three percent, and we have to leave the option open. Uh, that we may need to do more in future meetings, but I would I would kick the can and skip the November meeting. And I think that's if I think that's probably right. I don't. I think that's why you're hearing uh, these officials talk about the idea that the market is doing the work for them by raising long rates, and why even Lori Logan, who is no dove when it comes to inflation, believe me, she's not. She's not dovish on this as some as some officials are. But 
um, leaving open the idea that, well, we got to look and see why that rate's changing. If long-term rates are going up because of, of a bear steepening, then perhaps we shouldn't raise rates again. But if it's because the economy's growing faster than they had previously thought, maybe maybe then inflation does stall out at this 3% level, and maybe we should... Uh, Maybe we should continue that process. Uh, Kaplan continues. Let's play cut number five. We've got a couple of significant structural issues that the Fed is working against. One, we've got uh, decelerating workforce growth. Uh, In other words, we don't have enough workers. And at the same time, the government is spending aggressively on the Inflation Reduction Act projects, Infrastructure Act projects. They're still Uh, substantial unspent ARPA money that's being spent this year and next year, that is uh, stimulating demand for workers. So uh, while workers' savings may be declining, their incomes are strong, and I think think they're likely to stay strong. So so I've been looking and tracking how much is left out in terms of a uh, COVID money that's left. I don't think there's a whole lot left, but there's still uh, $400 billion in COVID money that's still out there, according to the uh, Committee for a Responsible F- Federal Budget, which is almost certainly not a right wing. They're not a libertarian uh, heritage foundation type of group at all. Um, the Federal Reserve, of course, has lots lots that it could still do. Uh, but there's probably about half a trillion dollars still left in st- just from the COVID money that's out there. And then if, um, th- then if I add to it um, uh, the, the share spending from the Inflation Reduction Act and, 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 and the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill, um, we're still awash in fiscal policy actions that are, that are stimulating the economy. And I, and I believe that this is part of the reason why real long-term interest rates have risen is because the demand for, for funds from the government to fund its priorities rather than the private sector's priorities, what we always teach as, be, as crowding out, that crowding out is in play right now in a way that we haven't seen for quite some time. I re- I'm pretty sure if you went back to the very early days of the King Banyan show when the when when we were on a different frequency and the biz was a fledgling station, okay? Spencer certainly wasn't here for that, but that's that's back in 2009. Um when when I was approached to move move from uh move from the Patriot to come over here to do this wonderful decision uh 14, more than 14 years ago. In fact, we're, yeah, I think they were coming up, or, yeah, about 14 years ago. Um, I'm pretty sure some of my early podcasts, my early broadcasts here on The Biz at that time discussed crowding out because this was the time, of course, when the Obama stimulus was in full, it was in full flight. And we thought that interest rates would just go through the roof because of what the because they would have to borrow money for that. It didn't happen, but it appears to be happening now. 
there's a lot of talk, I mean, even from folks like Paul Krugman, who wrote a very interesting column in the New York Times this week in which he said, you know, maybe we should do something about the deficit. And he admits, I'm the one that's been telling you it doesn't matter. We're not we're not spending enough. I said we did we didn't do enough in 2009. He did. He screamed it from the rooftops. He said, we may have gone from not doing enough to doing too much. Well, friends, this is what too much looks like. Kaplan's correct to say that too much looks like rising real long-term interest rates, a stalling out of investment, uh, savings being pulled in away from banks and toward government bonds because the government will pay whatever it needs to pay to get its hands on the money that it's promised to spend. That's what crowding out is. And I think we've reached uh, a, a, a very clear point where we reached the very clear point where that now appears to be a drag on the economy and the Federal Reserve is going to get blamed if it raises rates again. But I think Kaplan's correct to say it's not on the Fed. It's actually on it's actually on Congress and the White House for being in a world with three with three percent something inflation, three something percent inflation unemployment with 4% inflation and thinking, heck yeah, let's spend more. That's that's a recipe for higher interest rates. I don't think Bullard's wrong about that. I don't think Kaplan's wrong about that. I think that they both are, are clearly seeing that we're in a world where maybe higher interest rates will be here, not just for the next six months, but for years to come. Let's take a break here. We'll be back. When we come back, um, further discussion between Fed officials. So we had two Fed officials at a meeting on Monday, two folks out talking uh, who are former Fed officials. We got two more for you coming up right after this. King Banging Show, The Biz, 1440. was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boom box that burns through D batteries faster than you can say, you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Patriot Minneapolis. It's time to throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 1280 to Patriot hosts in high quality with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Hey, this is Matthew with The Kingdom Builders. The other day I noticed an ad for an apple pie. It showed a slice with the delicious sugary apples oozing out. Here at The Kingdom Builders, we're starting a new series where we'll share with you who we are and why we do what we do. We're a local, trusted, professional exterior contractor specializing in asphalt shingle roofing and seamless gutters. If you add up our collective experience and how long we've been in this industry, it's hundreds of years combined. We're small enough to take care of the little houses in St. Paul and Minneapolis and big enough to handle large churches or commercial buildings. We take a genuine interest in the work we do, the estimates we send out, our customers, and most importantly, the families that live in the homes we work on. 
We wish the inside of our company was as yummy as an apple pie, but we found we're better at roofing than baking. Look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult. But school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. It's a look at today's most compelling stories and provides responses from key conservatives in media and politics. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com. Welcome back, King Daniel Show, Biz fourteen forty. I uh, looked up. Uh, I was looking up, uh, trying to find some data on the timing of that Inflation Reduction Act uh, piece, and I have a article published uh, August twenty two, um, shortly after passage. That was from um, uh, from the University of Pennsylvania's uh, Wharton model, which is a basic economic model that it's a workhorse that a lot of uh, a lot of economists use to figure out the impact on on numbers uh, on 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 macro in, uh, macro variables um, the estimate on inflation they they argue that inflation would uh, would not be impacted by by that I actually never did agree with that uh, I think it does I think the thing to point out to people is the fact that Inflation, you know, the billions of dollars, it, it adds $30 billion to the deficit for this current fiscal year and another $26 billion next year. So on top of everything else, the Inflation Reduction Act is adding pieces. I can tell you because I am on, a, uh, I am on the authority that operates the uh, St. Cloud Regional Airport. I've mentioned this to you before. Um, we see often uh opportunities for for investment into the airport from federal dollars that are coming out of the the bipartisan infrastructure act um that was passed as well um all of this is con- you know uh, all of this is contributing uh to stimulus in the economy in a world where we've got we've got low labor force participation uh and where we have a challenge in terms of labor force participation simply because 
the demographics are bad. We just have people retiring because the baby boom generation is aging out. They're pretty much all in their 60s and 70s now. So that that impact is is there. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to, to confirm what the, that number was. Uh, according to the estimates from Wharton, at, right after passage, um, I should probably uh, I should probably see. Oh, here we go. There's a there is an updated uh, number. I don't. Oh, that's just the total number. Uh, but you know, you've got two hundred and sixty three billion dollars being spent on clean energy. Uh, advanced manufacturing, one hundred eighty three billion, uh, three hundred ninety three billion on EVs and and uh, and 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 so forth. Um, you just up and down, up and down the uh, uh, line over the entire window. I don't know, I don't have the timing on the updated numbers, but uh, but they now, th- but the numbers which they had thought were only about three hundred, about four hundred billion dollars. Um, there's now over a tr- the, the estimate from Wharton is now that there is over a trillion dollars of spending out of that bill largely invested into into climate and energy provisions from the inflation reduction act we'll s- okay and it would surprise nobody to think that much of that money is front loaded because that's how it was initially but maybe some of this is back loaded and something that might be addressed later i don't i don't have all of the information there to to tell you uh uh, uh to, to to tell you what the exact numbers are now anyway Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven, the number to call with questions and comments. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. So at the beginning of the hour, I played two people who are voting at the FOMC: Lori Logan, govern, uh, president of the Dallas Federal Reserve; Philip Jefferson, governor of the Federal Reserve System, vice chair. Okay, voting members. Another person who uh, I don't think, I believe he does not, I believe neither of these folks have a vote, but Patrick Harker at the uh, Philadelphia Fed wanted to get his words out there to tell people where he is in this data-dependent world. Um, And probably was as forceful as anybody arguing against a rate increase at the November meeting. Let's play Philip, this is Philip Harker on, I think, Friday, cut 10. From the cold lens of economics, I do not see the fundamental changes that would call for large changes in the natural rates. But look, I could be wrong. And trust me, that would not be the first time this economy has made me rethink some of the classic models. We just won't know for sure until we have more data to look at over time. So it is against this broad backdrop that I believe the prudent position is one in which policy rates can remain steady. Now, alas, you may have noticed that I didn't tell you how long rates need to stay high. And my apologies, because I simply cannot at this moment tell you. And so he's not only no for November, he's probably a no for a while. And and his next move is, is to reduce rates. So he thinks we've hit the peak. My guess is he was one of the guys that was that thought they were at the peak when they did the statement of economic projections back in September. 
But one of the things which Harker talks about is this idea of a nat- of the natural rate or the real rate. And this is the rate at which we've talked about this before, but we're going to do a little more uh, here now. This is the rate at which we believe the the Fed funds rate would be set in a world where they're at 2% inflation and the economy is growing at roughly its potential level. Okay? What that might be is hard to say. Uh, different people have different ideas. But um, Mary Daly, who is the president of the St. Louis Federal Reserve, excuse me, San Francisco Federal Reserve, excuse me, the, okay, Mary Daly from the San Francisco Fed was on a panel, uh, not a panel, but she was on in, in, in a sort of a, one of those, you know, we're going to sit in easy chairs and padded chairs on, the, on a stage and you're going to ask me questions that I already know you're going to ask me and I'm going to answer the questions in the way I already know I'm going to answer them. Uh, that's how these things work. I've done this with, uh, with a fellow reserve chair, uh, a, a president, excuse me. And so you kind of know this is what doing. So she clearly had planned to talk about this, too. But she did this at a little bit more detail, I thought, than Harker did. So let's play this. This is cut 11. But you absolutely could see the the nominal neutral rate was 2% inflation plus 0.5 real rate, 2.5. I completely could imagine that we go from 2.5, anywhere between 2.5 and 3 as the nominal neutral in the go forward. But that's... 50 basis points, not, you know, two and a half basis points, 250 basis points, rather. So what she's trying to signal is she might be willing to think about the fact that the Fed funds rate will not go back below 3% in the, in the world where they would like to land. Okay, again, I, and I, tw- it's interesting, I, I tweeted this at, at, at a few people, and we actually got a response, I actually got a response from, uh, from, of all folks, Brian Westbury, uh, who got mentioned on the show here a little while ago. I don't know, uh, Ms. Dr. Westbury, if you're listening, but if you are, you're always welcome on the show, 651-289-4477. I would love to visit with you sometime. I'd love, I'd love an hour of your time here on the show. Anytime, place. let me know. We'll record in advance. Happy to do that. But here's, here's the issue that's at hand. Um, here's the issue that's at hand. The neutral rate is probably higher. When he, she talks about what that real rate is, 2% inflation plus, before this time, one half of 1%, that's a statement of what she thinks is the productivity growth rate of the economy. And she thinks that productivity growth rate is one half percent. That that's depressing. Uh, we've taught on the show before, and I'll teach I'll teach you again. A very simple way to think about what that means is is productivity rates is what leads to changes in living standards. Um, financial planners and economists and lots of folks that deal with numbers that grow at at exponential rates know this thing called the rule of 70. It's kind of just like this little shortcut. If I think a number is growing at X percent a year, I then know that it will double in 70 over X years. So if I think the economy is growing to grow, if I think living standards are growing at one half to 1% a year, then I that argues that we're going to see living standards grow or double every 140 years. 
Well, our living standards doubled, you know, after World War II. They had doubled by the time we got to the mid-60s. They had doubled again by the time we got to the 90s. Are we actually supposed to live in a world where they won't double again until our great-grandchildren are adults? So when I hear it might be gone to 1%, that feels more realistic to me. It's still depressing. It still makes me think that she, that, that, well, that means they're going to double every maybe 70 years. That's still not good enough. I'm actually hopeful that that's actually also not true. Which is why I think the long-term real, the long-term nominal Fed funds rate is probably, it's certainly not two and a half. I actually don't think it's three. I think it's more likely to be three and a half or four. Because I do think we're into a world where the economy is going to grow faster. We've had period. I'm 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 an optimist. I, I'm a techno optimist. I believe that that the economy has a chance to grow at grow at uh, you know per capita levels of one and a half for two percent a year, which would it, you know. And if we had population growth of one percent a year, that means that we're going to live in a world where GDP growth of three percent will be normal. That'd be great. Okay. I even think it's possible to do better. I don't know that you can do better. But I'd settle for 3% as being the norm rather than 2%. I don't want to be in a 2%, I don't want to be in a 2% GDP growth world. I want a 3% world. And there are things we could do to do that. I think I've got time to play this. We'll just have a short last segment. I want to play the rest of Mary Daly's comments because we I sent this clip to Spencer without deciding if we wanted to play it. And he talked me into playing this because this is just, she is good. She is good. Okay, so she's just defined for you why the rate probably should be higher in the long term than the two and a half that most people think the Fed funds rate has to get back to. And there are good reasons for that. Again, the good reason being productivity growth is likely to be higher. But she says more. Let's play this. Cut 12. Every single downturn I've ever been in, and every single recovery I've ever been in, people have declared that the world has fundamentally changed and nothing will ever be the way it was before. And that has never proven to be true. What I learn each and every time is people come out of the cyclical downturn, they come into an expansion like we're in now, we fight back the inflation, people go ahead with jobs and careers, they buy homes, they have families, they invest in their communities. And yes, shocks come, but we have well-oiled institutions who can deal with them, and we we go through it again. Well, this is not a week in which I'm willing to really hang my hat on well-oiled institutions. Um, I don't do pol- political talk radio anymore. haven't done it for 14 years. Um, and, in fact, I'm glad I don't. Um, what a difficult time uh, to be doing that. Um, some depress, you know, the news is just absolutely depressing. But there's a lot of resiliency in the in the in the economy as we have it. Okay, this is still an economy that's capable of harnessing creativity with technology and putting it together to raise living standards at a rate that I think will double more faster than once every 70 years. I think it's still an economy that can do that. Okay? It is not... I I do not get angry at, at what I see as being policy mistakes. 
but I am sad for the fact that it just means that the growth that will make my grandson live a better life are being held back by mistakes that at least some of us can see as being very clear and think, why can't we fix that? Okay. That, you know, um, that's the sound of someone being pretty reflective. And I, you know, I agree with, I agree with you, Spencer. That was one of the more, that was one of the more interesting, uh, I don't know if I would have called it unguarded, but it was at the both, it, it was not just realistic and, and a little, little self, a little self-deprecating, but hopeful at the same time, as I think we all need to be. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. Your children and grandchildren are inheriting a world that's more upside down than ever before. They'll need extraordinary skills to make a positive impact. A Christian education will give them the solid foundation they need to not only endure, but thrive. And that education is available for half off their first year through TwinCitiesTuitions.com. To see our full list of participating schools and to see if the half-off tuitions program is a good fit for your family, go to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. When I was a kid in the America I grew up in, we didn't have to pay for driver's ed. They wanted $250 to put my kid through driver's ed. I said, I'll teach my son to drive a car. We all know what it's like teaching your teenager to drive. Took that boy out for an hour, came home, wrote a check out for $500. And we've all prayed silent prayers in the passenger seat. You saw the truck, right, son? You saw that truck? No way, Pops. That was lucky. <laughs> but no one tells it like comedian Jeff Allen. AM 980 The Mission is hosting a clean all-ages comedy night on November 16th at Celebration Church in Lakeville. Don't miss your chance to hear Jeff's hysterical stories and his inspiring testimony in person. This kid was scary. When he had his learner's permit, we let him drive us to church every Sunday. That way we got our prayer time in before we got there. Visit am980themission.com to buy general admission, gold circle, or VIP meet and greet tickets. Buy today and save up to $10 per ticket. Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that's what happened. Happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. 
This is McGruff the Crime Dog with an important message. Before you think about buying counterfeit products, think again. You're smart. Buy smart. Go for real. Learn more at McGruffPSA.org. This message is brought to you by the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the National Crime Prevention Council. The Ramsey Show. Mama's going to be just fine when you die, financially speaking. I'm sure she'll cry. My what wife is actually planning my death, and it's got me very concerned. Oh. My estate plan is predicating <laughs> on me predeceasing her, and I don't know how she knows that. The Biz 1440. Weekdays, one to four. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. If you got a moment, 651-289-4477. I've got a moment. Uh, happy to visit with you. I, I So I'm going to react to uh, a tweet that uh, Don just posted, um, that maybe we're reaping the benefits of replacing meritocracy with quotaocracy. I'm, it's hard to pronounce that. It's easier to type. Um, and... and just just a minute more to reflect on that uh, is is that the neoclassical model for how economies work is that is that you're combining the inputs you have, which in, which you know initially we would just classify as labor, like it's this big lump of human beings, plus capital, which is like it's a big lump of machines, and then someone then they go into some function, you get a number. That's, in fact, a terrible way to describe an economy, even though macro models, the way macro models work, you're trying to write things down and put a number on stuff. But the way they really work is, is, in fa- is that we find ways to trade with each other. There's millions upon millions of little transactions and those transactions all look very different. They're all controlled by local uh, customs and local prices and supplies and demand. Okay. Oil is traded in a national in an international market. The gasoline that goes in your car is traded in a very local market governed by a set of state rules as well. And, and a local distribution system with a limited number of refineries that can get goods to you. What is important in an economy is the ability for me to continue to find ways to, and here I use this word advisedly, economize. What do I mean by the word economize? I live in a world, okay, Fundamental, fundamental belief is I live in a world that, that consists of scarcity. Okay, when pe- people say I want to practice, you know, the politics of abundance or, or, or I want to think about a world where, 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 where I'm living an abundant life, I, I'm, I say to them, that's great. Have, have, have at it, okay? I was trained to think that the world consists of scarce resources and unlimited wants. And so I'm always trying to figure out how to get as many of the wants as I have fulfilled with the limited resources that are available to me. And what was discovered many, many years ago is that I'm able to do that by trading with others. That it's, that it's as Adam Smith said, the ability, the human condition to truck, barter, and exchange that leads to the improvement of human life. 
there are so many ways in which the world today is engaged in uh, practices that discourage me from economizing, from looking for new ways in which I can trade with others and, and, and exchange with others and improve that person's life with my as well as my own. Why? Because there's something that person believes something that I don't agree with and I have to agree with them all the time in order for me to be actually comfortable trading with them. I don't want to buy goods from people that don't have the same beliefs I have. That's a way in which you make people poorer. Okay? You may feel good about it. You may feel like that's okay, but but frankly, um, I don't want to think about the politics of the people whose music I listen to. I don't want to think about I don't want to think about the religious practices or the people that that provide me delicious foods and drinks. Uh, I don't want I don't want to think about I don't want to think about the social positions of of the person who's fixing my car. I just want to be I just want to engage with them, be served by them in a way that that improves my life and hopefully also improves theirs. Because what makes a trade sustainable is we're both doing better off than we did before. It's not, it's not a zero-sum game. It's one of the most fundamental things we teach in an economics class is, is economic trade is not zero-sum. You don't become better off because someone else became worse off. But for us to go back to the growth that is where, where we get, 3% and even 4% GDP growth. We need a world in which we can actually have sustainable patterns of exchange with others and trade and production. And that's what makes things like wars, what's happening in the Middle East, or what's happening in D.C. They make you sad. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll be back next week with another episode of The King Banging Show here on The Biz 1440. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA. The only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-504-1123. That's 800-504-1123. Grandchildren are a gift from God, but sometimes they come with surprise bonus gifts. I got granddaughters now that go to preschool. You've never been sicker in your life till you spend time around kids that go to preschool. It's awful. You want a flu vaccine? Scrape the cheek of a five-year-old coming out of a preschool. And my granddaughter waits till I'm sleeping on the couch and she just walks over and stares at me. And did you know because of gravity, everything in her little mouth is splashing on my face. Comedian Jeff Allen will be in Minnesota on November 16th at Celebration Church in Lakeville. AM 980 The Mission and Mathnasium are proud to present a clean comedy night for all ages. The worst is when they take a drink out of your water. They give the glass back and there's this six-course meal floating around the top. 
Jeff's stories are hysterical, and his testimony is deeply inspiring. Don't miss your chance to see Jeff in person. Water shouldn't have 40 grams of fiber in it. That's all I know. Visit am980themission.com today and save up to $10 per ticket. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. Rediscover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. If you're wondering 